Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you, are you done yet? We're everyone's fans welcome back to the black and gold hockey podcast we're recording episode 223 it is april 11th 2021 and this episode and show is sponsored by betonline.ag please go to betonline.ag and put in code clns50 to receive a sweet welcome bonus we have a very big show today um, we have a lot of topics we're going to discuss. I'm going to welcome in a, a special guest. Uh, his name is Brett Howard. You can follow him at the Beehive Pod. And uh, he's got some good things coming up on our podcast network that you can go on blackandgoldhockey.com and check out all of our nine to ten shows that we're going to be having. But, um, Brett, welcome to the program, my friend. Thank you so much for the time. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, the uh, we got together on a live stream. Um, I believe it was a Bruins game. And uh, we spent a couple hours together, so I thought that, uh, and we talked afterwards, and I thought that your addition to uh, a member of BNG would be awesome, and, and you're going to start your own podcast, and um, we're, I'm excited about that. So why don't you tell some of the, uh, the, the potential listeners of your program uh, a little bit about yourself and, and how, long you've been, been, how long you've been a Bruins fan and uh, what your program's going to be about? 
Well, uh, first off, been a Bruins fan since birth. I was born into the Bruins uh, family, if you will. My dad was a big Bruins fan, so that's all I've known my whole life. Um, other than that, the podcast is going to be called the Beehive. Uh, it's gonna be the episodes will include talk from just like what's going on in the week. Um, I'm gonna have a little hotter not segment for which players are playing good, which ones need to step their game up a little bit, and then the rest of the podcast. I'm gonna go in depth of uh, uh, Bruins players in the past and who players that have worn the spoke B, the history of the players, where they came from, where they went to. Um, the first episode is actually gonna be on uh, Willie O'Ree and uh, his struggles coming from. Canada, New Brunswick, where I'm, I'm located in Canada myself, and uh, his struggles just going through the NHL, going from uh, the, what was somewhat the Quebec League into uh, the Spoked B, and just everything there is to do about Bruins and where he went, his special journey as a Boston Bruin. Awesome, man. I'm looking forward to that program and your addition mm-hmm. to the network, too. We do have a bunch of great shows, so uh, go to blackandgoldhockey.com. All the information's right down there in the ticker that you need. But, uh, no, that's that's really cool, man, and a, a great little story. And you're from Canada, which is even cooler. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, we have... Our, our crew of, I think we have 28 to 30. The number keeps changing, but we're, we're just so versed in all areas of North America. So it's a, it's a really cool community. And I'm glad you're a part of it. Yeah, it's super exciting to be a part of it. Uh, I'm excited for my chance to show my knowledge of the game. And uh, hopefully you guys are going to come along for the ride. Absolutely. I'll be there. Yeah. All right. Before we do get into the hockey talk, I do want to talk about show sponsor, BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag has the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA college basketball is over. I got to redo that. And the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline.ag has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, folks. Please get in on the action, and don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sports book experts. So let's get right into the the hockey talk. And unfortunately, we've got to start off with um, – it's uh, uh, a little remembrance. Um, a year ago today, uh, the uh, hockey community lost a valued member of uh, of its um, uh, you know its staff or player. Sorry, I'm wording that totally wrong. Uh, but Colby Cave passed away one year ago today from complications of a, I believe it was a brain aneurysm, uh, and uh, it was very, just very tragic. Um, my experience with Colby goes back to uh, interviewing um, on uh, when he was with the Providence Bruins. Uh, he did play for the Boston Bruins, uh, a couple call-ups. And, and, and regardless of his time in Boston or in Providence, what he was was just a character guy, uh, somebody that would never um, – you know, step away or shrug his shoulders or roll his eyes when somebody asked him a question. He was always there to to be there for the public, the media, and his teammates. So uh, it's a really sad day. Um, and I do want to mention that 
the Edmonton Oilers continue to have a, uh, a memorial fund. Uh, the information's over here for the YouTube viewers, but I'm going to say it for the podcast listeners. Uh, the Colby Cave Memorial Fund, you could please go to NHL.com slash Oilers slash community slash Colby Cave Memorial Fund and donate any amount that you possibly can to uh, find um, a relief or, or um, uh, a cure for what happened to him um, and, and in his brain and so on. So um, I, I personally want to, um, I know he just got married and then passed away. It was just a tragic, tragic time, but um, to his, 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 his wife um, continued thoughts and his family members continued thoughts. And, and Brett, if you have anything to say about Colby Cave and what you might have saw from him in the past, then uh, please um, let us hear it. Well, the first, his smile. Everybody talked about his smile, how uh, infectious it was, how happy he was just to, just to be a part of the team, just to be a part of the organization, how much pride he took in being a Bruin. Um, it's super sad, you know, there's not much more you can say other than that. I've had a family member who, uh, also has had a brain aneurysm and he's going through the recovery right now. And it's, it's very tough. It's very tough to watch. And I don't know, thoughts and prayers out to everybody involved in the cave family. It's, it's just awful. Yeah. Thoughts uh, continue for your family member too, Brett. Thank you. Um, yeah, so let's move on to, um, oh, I do want to mention, I, I keep forgetting to do this. We do have a Patreon account and we're giving away prizes today. We're giving away three prizes. We missed last week, um, due to some personal problems. Um, and so we're going to give a prize away today. So we're going to give two Bruins related prizes and we're giving away the Charlie Coyle hand signed oh, Jersey. Yeah. This is going today guys. So get in on this um, yeah. you know if you're if if you're here right now here's the information right now uh go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate one dollar per episode it's a very small investment to get some really cool stuff so and we would certainly appreciate it we have some awesome we have signed pucks and so on that's what we're going to do is two signed pucks today and a um hand signed jersey all right so let's get into it buddy all right let's go the Discussion is um, last about last week's game versus the Philadelphia Flyers on Monday in a three-two loss. Tuesday against the Flyers again. These back-to-backs are just a killer sometimes in a condensed schedule. A four-to-two yeah. B's win, and uh, Thursday and uh, against Washington, and obviously last night's uh, last yesterday afternoon's game, which I streamed and I was on. I was online for like five hours. It was crazy. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Yeah, so let's talk about last week's game and where we see this team moving forward. We're we're on the fringe of that fourth position in the uh, Mass Mutual uh, division in these pandemic times. And um, obviously, we're going to talk about the trade deadline that's coming up. So what are your thoughts on the games last week and uh, where we need to be better? Well, I'm just I'm glad to see the compete levels back. At some point, at some point there, what we were going win loss. I think in March, almost every other game, win loss, win loss. That's tough on the guys in the room. That's tough on the morale. It, uh, like one thing I did notice that was really great is like most of the young guys that were injected to lineup did do what they were supposed to do. There wasn't a whole lot of looking around. There was a couple defensive blips, but like we've talked about in the past, that's going to happen with this young defensive core this year. 
the biggest problem is staying healthy. I don't remember the last time the Bruins had a season like this where it's just injury after injury, especially with it being the shortened season. The older guys we have, like Bergeron, I, I you got to give that guy props, man. Even when he tripped over the blue line, comes back with the hat trick the next game, he's pure captain material. I, you love to see it, but, you know, these guys are going to need to break. I know the season just because uh, of the Vancouver situation, the season got pushed back till the May 16th, I believe. Bruce Cassidy on his presser today was talking about it'll be nice to have a little bit of break, but the play overall has been good. It's competitive. We're starting to score goals again, which is nice. The goalies, the young goalies, like what else can you say about that? It's, it's a, unbelievable the prospects that we have coming out of the goalie way. So, yeah, I, I love the compete level. Obviously, the secondary scoring still lacking. Marshawn can't win every game for us, as we saw last game. He's going to have nights off. I would love to see Pat. Like, I, I have a weird theory about the pasta thing. I noticed he switched his skates and his stick for this year, and that sometimes that puts a toll on a guy, and especially in a shortened season. I don't know if that was the best idea for him, but you know he's sponsored by Bauer through and through. He's marketed by them. He's got to wear the new stuff. But I'm I'm very curious if that's has something to do with his puck handling. I noticed he's having a tough time staying on his feet. But yeah, I don't know. What have you thought, Mark? I, yeah, it, it's, it's different because it's hot and cold with pasta. We have no consistency um, going on. Uh, we did a little earlier. We saw a bl- glimpse of it, but it, um, I just don't know if, if the five on five scoring issue is pushing Bruce Cassidy to, to points that he needs to shuffle the lineup, which is not a comfort zone for pasta. Maybe, you know, no. I mean, the, he's to me, I don't, I mean, I don't, want to and i'm not going to call on the perfection line anymore i'm tired of that yeah, yeah i mean it's, yeah. they're not perfect they yeah. make mistakes we've no. seen it um bergy on monday night chipping over the yeah. blue line you know? yeah, but i'm not gonna true. i'm not gonna give him crap for it either because no, he, was, no. he, was, he was trying to do it and you know it was a, it was an outlet pass to they were just unorganized accident yeah, yeah exactly but um yeah i, I just I, if if in need make the changes to the lineup but do it on a good thing. Don't do it when it's like you need to push the button to do it because that obviously affects your teammates, the chemistry that keeps going on on a certain line. But I, I, I get the move, but sometimes I don't want to see him broken up. I'd, I'd rather see him broken up in other areas of the lineup than, than the top line. But Well, the one thing too with Smith going up to that top line, I think he's got like 14 points in his last 16 games. I love that. I, I've loved this play. When he was in Nashville, I loved the energy he had. When we signed him, I was very excited about the signing. And it's starting to look like it's going to pay off. I just hope he keeps up the um, offensive numbers. Butchie was um, praising him in his presser today, actually. Yeah, and I'm I'm very impressed with his game lately. It seems like the the more of a role he gets, getting away from that third line with Coyle, and uh, higher trust um, and playing with uh, top caliber players um, on this Boston Bruins team has really um, brought his point production out, obviously with the numbers that you mentioned. Um, but also he's getting, he's doing the right things that we saw in, in Nashville. And we heard about for so many people that, you know, we're talking about how much of a good player he was and his shooting percentage and so on. That's been picked up too. So his all around game and comfort level for me is, is really coming to fruition. So, but I don't want to see him lose that uh, um, point producing edge as we continue to try to find that secondary scoring mm-hmm. by putting him down in a line with, with Coyle who, who's, 
seemingly going through his struggles trying to put even to get an assist lately is uh is tough. I mean, it, we I know he got two of them the other night or one of them the other night, but still, uh, we need more from him. Uh, Cassidy actually was literally saying the exact same thing this morning. Uh, he said, I think it's four assists in the last five games, which is points are points. He's you know, he's a big guy, but Cassidy said when he scored his last goal against the Rangers. The reason why he scored it is because he took his big body, he pushed to the inside, and he roofed it. You know, that's something we saw all last year with Coyle, his edge work, his his blunt force. Like, that's just something I I, it, I don't know if it's because he hasn't had winger stability this year. And he's a, a he's definitely a creature of habit. We've seen that in the past. When he gets guys he likes, they stick with them. Like, last year we had a third line that, didn't change all year and look they produced a lot of they produced a lot of points for us and helped us win a lot of games it, it, he's just got to get back to that even bruce said it's it's on him right like what much more can you do you you give him the tools but i'm starting to wonder if it has something to do with the rotating winger like how Krejci over the past couple of years it's been tough for him uh point production wise just because he doesn't have stability on his line he did with jd now that's gone thank god they got some chemistry with richie and crazy um but yeah i would love to see coil start putting the puck in the back of the net again yeah definitely uh circling back to talking about last week's games what are your thoughts on this boston bruins team that seems to be like up and for everything um when you're playing a team like washington uh, we've seen we've seen uh, good games against Philadelphia. We've seen good games against Pittsburgh. But when you you come, I mean, even the Philly game, I'm going to throw in there. Um, yeah, pretty much. I'm just going to wind it down. You beat Washington Capitals on Thursday night, but you come into Saturday and lose to the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, well, I don't get the up and down inconsistency with playing teams that are under you. But when you are playing teams above you, and and it almost means like it. It really means something that we need to get these two points. They're up for, and they're playing awesome hockey. I, I, well, not awesome hockey. It's, yeah, it's it's a little more competitive, but we want that two points type of hockey. And other days, it's just like if flashes of have you even showed up? Yeah, well, and that's the that's one thing I uh, noticed. It, it's almost like they're not getting up for these games against the points we should be just stealing off the board from Buffalo, New Jersey, New York. New York we played better against than the other two. At Buffalo, I guess you could say we played good, but when they were in their stretch, we, we didn't play the greatest against them. There was a couple of nail-biting moments in those games, and it it is very confusing because you think those would be the games the guys want to get up for. They want to get ready for. You know, We need these two points, easy two points. We can make a bigger gap between Philadelphia. But um, you, you know that the the leadership group is getting the boys up for those t- games where they need the points. You know, Bergeron, they, uh, Swayman talked about the one game where they made the comeback. He said that Bergeron just class act in the dressing room. Just, you know, everything he says is everyone's listening. It's the drop of the pin, right? I'm starting to wonder, are they, the leadership group not as invested in these games that they think they're just going to win? Hmm. Uh, that That's just, I, it's very baffling to me. Yeah, and Bruce Cassidy has, has mentioned that several times uh, in the recent yeah. weeks at his press conferences, saying that uh, you know a certain member of the crew needs to um, step it up uh, in secondary scoring issues, but also he's pinpointed several times uh, about leadership too. So um, yeah. take that for what it's worth and 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 move on. But you know, uh, and I will touch on Bruce Cassidy just a little further. 
this week, I, this week's games, I saw a little bit of his body language is much better. He's more uppity about having a conversation with reporters via Zoom. I know the Zoom thing sucks and it's not in person and blah, blah, blah. But um, in the previous weeks, even a loss or a, even a win that they came back, that he his body language is just like basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, basically saying like, we're, we're getting to the trade deadline. I need some pieces to make this freaking work. You know, he's kind of given off that he wants to say something to media, but it's almost like his job's depending on it, that he doesn't. So, I mean, it's just my crazy thinking. And yeah. I know my, I know my buddy Jimmy Murphy mentioned something about it on Twitter and so on, but I kind of followed up with that. I was like, wow, I, I actually did see that. And I'm, I am noticing that. But, you know, as soon as you, you uh, throw anything out there – little negative about Bruce Cassidy. You're going to get somebody jumping on you. Like it's not his fault. It's the players. So yeah. Well, he just looked de- deflated. That's what I thought. He looked very, uh, he's was dealing with a group for a month there that almost looked disinterested and it's hard to rally guys together if they're not into it. Um, yeah. It, like you said, you pretty much said everything that I was thinking, but other than I just, his body language, you're right. He looked very deflated. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to another topic. Um, get away from last week's games, and and this is not uh, we're not going in a in the right direction when it comes to like trying to figure things out and so on. But um, the injury injury list continues to pile up for this Boston Bruins team. Uh, but there's good signs that uh, this the club is starting to get members important members that are lovely. I understand everybody in the lineup is, a, is an important person, but particularly uh, defenseman Charlie McAvoy and goaltender Tuka Rask could return sometime this week. They're targeting um, uh, McAvoy for Tuesday and either Rask for Tuesday and Thursday. But I also do want to go through the whole list and just mention some of the things that have been um, brought up. And this is from CBS.com, so take it for what that's worth. But Andre Kasha, Andre Kasha is still out with an upper body injury. He's listed on the IR. It's concussion purposes. John Moore has teasing end in surgery. Tukarask, upper body, IR, could return, as mentioned. Brendan Carlo, uh, upper body injury, IR. Uh, Yaroslav Halak is out with COVID-19 protocol. Charlie McAvoy, I did say that he could return, but as listed right now, he's out with an upper body injury and won't play today against Washington. Um, Trent Frederick is an illness, non-COVID related, as it's been uh, heavily um, uh, in the news. And uh, most recently, um, as of yesterday, I believe, uh, Matt Grizzlick has uh, an upper body injury and he won't play today. And uh, he's listed as day-to-day, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I was just going to say that's day-to-day. I saw that before we came on. Um, yeah, you're right. You're it's, it's Like I said earlier, when when have we seen this, you know? Like the defensive squad we're going to put together tonight. Lazan, Akan, Saboral, Camper, Tenorti, Clifton. It's that, that, that wouldn't be a preseason lineup uh, defensive yeah. squad. So it, it is very alarming, but injuries are part of the game. There's not much you can do about it. And I think the coaching staff is a lot more confident than the fans we are in making this play, making the playoffs and make pu- putting the distance in Philadelphia. Uh, you heard Bruce Cassidy said today with a big grin, oh, we got a great squad today. You know, he, he, he knows what's going on here. He's, try- he's putting everything he can on the ice. Uh, Carlo, that's a tough one. 
you know, that, that one's for me, that's a big tough one. Miller, uh, he has a scheduled day off today, if I'm not yeah. correct, because of the back to backs and the work management load. I'm not, you know, this go, will go into the trade talk that we're going to talk about later, but it's it's scary seeing the defensive lineup we're going to put out. Um, I have faith in the kids. I have all year. There's going to be learning curves like we've all talked about, but I don't know which more, what more can you do other than hope for the best for all these guys like Kasha. Like I just, I, I would have loved to see him like blow up here, you know, watching his highlight videos in Anaheim. He looks like a great player and it's sad to see, you know, concussion protocols. It's, it's tough. It, it's part of the game. We saw it with David Backes for years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, injuries are not, not, not fun and and making fun of them is not something that I like to do on the regular, which I don't do anyway. Um, yeah. But uh, you talk about Kasha. Let's just get right into that for a, a little extra content. Would you, would you retain him? He does have he's an RFA. He does have arbitration rights, um, which is a little concerning. But mm-hmm. also. Um, in a salary cap world where the Boston Bruins are going to need pretty much every million to save to address certain needs, possibly next year with a higher cap um, flexibility that Don Sweeney is going to be working with. Is is Kasha uh, like a low risk, a uh, couple million dollar retain for a year kind of show me? Or mm-hmm. is it fair to say this Boston Bruins team should save that $2.6 million and walk away from the player that's often injured and a bit of a risk. I think it all depends on how he um, recovers from this one. Uh, The biggest thing with him, like you said, his arbitration rights, I'm going to read a tweet that I saw today from Pierre Lebrun. Uh, The lessons of the Vegas expansion draft are truly being felt this time around. Front offices uh, more prepared and sensitive to how any decision in the next 24 hours can affect the ability to pair for the Seattle, Seattle draft. Sorry, adds it's been brought up countless times to him. I know that he's talking about the trade deadline, but this is another thing that, like you know, is something that's going to happen in the off season. We have the expansive draft coming up. It, in this shortened season, it's a lot for these GMs to juggle this year. You you saw what Tampa did yesterday. They had to get super creative to get David Sapard. I would love to see it work out for him. You always hate seeing guys with uh, concussion problems go down, retire early, especially the style of play this that kid play. He plays hard, whether he scored goals for us or not. He still pushes play. So if it if they see a low risk, high reward in it, I wouldn't mind them retaining him, but for the right price, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Yeah, I'm all for if you're going to be a player on this, um, but, you know, injury history always plays another angle too, you know, and, and it sucks that we have to do that because these people are humans, they have jobs and so on, but it's also a business. And when you try to address certain needs elsewhere, sometimes you need to walk away from, from somebody else. But ultimately the, 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 the threshold is I really, we want, everybody wants, you know, Kasha to be healthy and good enough to play and either be an asset on the ice or be an asset in the trade market. So yeah. Uh, regardless, yeah. you know, hopefully he gets his uh, his stuff uh, squared away. I don't think he's going to return this year. I mean, there's only 18 no. games remaining in the season. I just don't think that's enough time for him to get. And he's got to earn, mm-hmm. earn 
the return to the lineup. Not just his salary dictates his return to the lineup, which I absolutely hate because yep. sometimes I think ownership says, well, if he's ready, we got to play him. We got to get the mm-hmm. best out of him because he's like at $2.6 million a year. Yep. I, I want to see the best players play regardless of what you make on your salary. Well, and that's the thing. Like right now, adding on to what you say, where does he go? If he's healthy tomorrow, right, where does he go in the lineup? Obviously, it would take weeks before he's game ready. But I'm just saying, who's playing bad enough that you're going to inject him into the lineup? We have Bjork sitting out for who knows why. And I know he hasn't put up the greatest points, but still, um, he's out of the lineup because there's just no room for him. You have Richie on the left side. Uh, you have Marshy, obviously. And then... Um, DeBrusque, he's, he's been playing better than he was at the beginning of the year, ever since he's come back from COVID protocol. So it's just the left side, what are you going to keep consistently sticking him on the fourth line? Eventually it's going to, um, mess up his mojo because he's just in and out, up and down and it's just unattainable, right? So I, I don't see Kasha coming back this year at all. Yeah, I don't either. We'll definitely talk about Anders Bjork a little bit further. Um, but uh yeah i just wanted to get to see everybody healthy i think if we can get i mean there's 18 games is really not a lot of time and i know some of these injuries are significant um but if you get the carlos back involved um Grizzlick gets uh more healthy 100 percent i think the team can do okay the expectations of the stanley cup are out the window right now for me honest to yeah. god yeah. Um, I believe that the Boston Bruins are a competitive team. It's dictated in the standings. They're sitting at the fourth place right now. They're, um, I don't have the standings up, but I know that they're – is it five points ahead of Philly that's in the fifth? I think it's four. But four, okay. All yeah, right. four. Close. Four. That's we have two right games now. in hand. We got two games in hand as well. Right. So the, the, all those avenues play a huge uh, role in what's going on. And, and the teams that you're playing – uh, in the remaining games of the season, I mean, you're coming. You you pretty much expelled all your Buffalo games. Your uh, your Pittsburgh are going to pick up hot and heavy. The Islanders are pretty. You're not going to see them much uh, except for coming up. We'll talk about it. But mm-hmm. um, you know, the schedule, regardless of who you play, is so is a lot of back to backs, and there's a lot of every other day games. So it's going to take a toll, as as it has all season, because I'm. We're at game 38 right now, and for me, I still don't believe that if we – I think if we had like a full training camp, non-COVID, non-COVID times, okay, let's get that right out. We had yeah. a regular training camp, and everybody was doing their own thing, and they could do go wherever they want to do the training. I think these players would be more apt to be prepared for this type of season. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think because they weren't prepared that much – I know they're doing their daily things, but they're not doing the daily grind as they would in a normal, you know, regular season. Um, and by going like two weeks and then going right into a season without any training camp, I mean, I mean any uh, preseason games and so on. That's probably why we're seeing so many injuries now. It's just, you know, it's just one of those years that your preparedness wasn't wasn't totally what you expected that you do on a regular basis. So. Yeah, and uh, to add on to that, like before, I saw a lot of tweets today. Well, this is why we needed Chara. Well, people forget Chara walked away on his own measures. He didn't want the role that Don Sweeney was giving him, and you have to respect that. Like, I, I, it's a broken record at this point. I love Chara. Love what he did for this organization. He changed the culture in Boston. But at some point, we have to just 
get over it and look towards the future. Like you said, it's a weird year. We had no no training, pretty much no training camp. A lot of young guys who probably could have used a good training camp, and especially because a lot of the leadership group says Bruce Cassidy knows great load management. He knows, but with these injuries, what what more could you do, right? Yep. Even even without the injuries, take the injury factor out, and Chara and Kruger on this team, I would almost think think that we'd probably be in the same position. Yep. I don't think that and those those guys. I mean, the leadership and so on in the room and on the ice is so important. I get it, but I think the product would pretty much be the same. I think this Boston Bruins team needs to severely upgrade on uh, like a, a forward or two or a, mm. a defenseman or two, and that's that, and to build a winner around that. But yeah. I, I don't know. I just I'm, I'm the narrative of we needed this guy. Why do we walk away from him and this and that? You should have given him all the minutes you want. Washington's giving it to him. Good for yeah. him. I mean, he's a 44 yeah. year old freaking player, and he's earning. 20 some odd minutes of ice. That's fine. The Boston Bruins weren't willing to give him that. They were going in another direction. And that's one thing that people have to understand. It wasn't a disrespect. It's a business. It's a exactly. business decision. But anyway, exactly. I agree. Um, let's hear from the great folks at Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew tablets combat all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. Blue Chew's process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. If you don't like swallowing pills, it's no problem here. Blue Chew is a chewable tablet that you can take right before sex. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and they prepare to ship direct and it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, please visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our Black and Gold Hockey Podcast listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code Black and Gold, all capital letters, please. Black and Gold at checkout and just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code Black and Gold to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, don't not go without a night of sex with your fa- your favorite partner without Blue Chew if you need it. I'm telling you, these these folks are great. And uh, use that promo code Black and Gold all capitals. We'd certainly appreciate that. But back to the topics at hand. Um, this is an interesting one, and I know we bring it up a lot on this program in the past. And I, I'm a Jake DeBrusque fan. I just want to see him get better. But we are getting close. The trade deadline's tomorrow. So here's the question I'm throwing out to everybody, including you, um, uh, Brett. And thank you so much for the time today. I truly appreciate that. Oh, um, has the time run out for Boston Bruins forward Jake DeBrusque? And uh, his, as his name continues to be involved in trade rumors as the deadline approaches. Well, I mean, I'll jump in real quick because I have it fresh in my head. Uh, he, he played a hell of a game the other, the other night, um, scoring a goal. 
monkey off his back kind of feeling, but is still inconsistent. They're still mm-hmm. not seeing consistent Jake Dabrowski, and we need that. We need the secondary scoring. We need his drive. We need him to get to stop skating along the boards, coming in the wide side. Just try going up the middle and create something there. Um, I love the player. I love his energy, but it's just not coming all together for him. Is that something of concern? And would, do you, will you see him being involved in any move if Don Sweeney does make one tomorrow? Um, well, I'll start out first by saying it, it was nice to see him score again. That I love the guy. He's a great person. He's he's it, it's it's almost like he had no confidence after the bubble last year or during the bubble last year in the playoffs. To me, it seemed like his game dropped off a little bit there. I have some numbers here. Uh, this year, he only has eight points uh, in 25 games played, including the goal from yes last night's game. Last year, he, yeah, the 19-20 season, he had 19 goals. And the year before that, I'm pretty sure he had 27. Yep. I don't – it's 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 just – it's so hard to watch because – Every year, it's just getting, uh, it's declining. Sorry, more and more. And if the right deal comes about, I wouldn't be surprised if he's moved. I'm not saying that they should move him. I still think um, he's the type of guy and player that could get his confidence back and bounce back and um, like get his mojo back, I guess, if you will. The biggest problem I have for it is if you're sending Jake DeBrus the other way, yes, his value is bad right now in this weird year. I'm not convinced that management has given up on Jake DeBrus unless, sorry, they find the perfect piece. And I quote quotations, perfect piece there, because like we saw with Kasha, nothing's ever perfect. So for me, I, unless you get the exact deal you were looking for, I say hold on to him for now and let him build some confidence over the next year. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Krejci. We don't know, you know, what's going to happen with our center depth. Yeah, uh, I, I guess you could call it an issue, but he he's he can be moved up and down the lineup. We saw times last year when he played with uh, Bergeron and Marjan. He looked great. He complemented their lines so well. I would just like them to s- see him play with a little more intensity. I saw somebody say that his play reminded them of uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois in his last games in Columbus. And it kind of worried me because is it like he checked out? Is he, Does he not want to be a Bruin anymore? That's one of the biggest concerns to me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see Jake do good. Um, obviously. And uh, I think maybe, maybe if he can, if he survives this trade, this trade deadline, maybe that would be like, okay, wolf, you know, wipe the sweat off my off my forehead and I'm like, let's go to work. Now I have a, a little bit of confidence that I'm staying here. I'm not being moved and so on. So, I mean, anything could happen. Any little spark uh, to get him going is awesome because when he's rolling and other folks are rolling, we've seen this Boston Bruins team be very effective against uh, against teams like that, regardless of where they are in the standings. We I know it's 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 such a a trend that they play down to their freaking opponent sometimes, but still. It's you know you want to get him going, but I, I I do want to touch on something about what you what you mentioned about him going up and down the lineup. I I think that when he's a uh, Jake DeBrusque is sturdy at, on the second line, or even if he was playing on the third line, which he's uh, going to start today on Coyle's line, if he stays in a spot, he seems to get a little more comfort. Mm. He's not that type of player. Like remember Danton Heinen? 
He yes. was a mixed bag of tools that can go all the way up the top line to the fourth line and be an impactful player every time he did that. Great two-way forward Danton Heinen was, regardless of what the haters say. Yep. But he is not that type of player. Jake DeBras seems like a young man that likes to stay where he's at and likes the crew that he works with on a consistent basis. And when he's pulled out of that element, much like what Cassie does a lot, trying to find sparks out of the complete lineup, mm -hmm. he gets affected the most. But that's just a personal opinion that I, yeah. I particularly see. Uh, yeah, to add on to that too, like like you said, Heinen, he was the uh, puck battle king. He'd go in the corner and come out with the puck every single time. Jake DeBrusque is not that guy. He needs guys around him that are going to push the play into the middle to him. Like you saw last, he in his interview yesterday, he chuckled. I forget who asked him the question, but uh, the question was something along the lines of, do you feel more uncomfortable in front of the net? And he said, well, yeah, that's where I score my goals. And it's true. He's not the guy in the corner. It, it, he's, he needs to play like a second-line player on that third line because that third line on a lot of clubs would be a second line. And yep. that's something that he needs to realize. You didn't get demoted. You're on a deep team that has three lines. Look at the Leafs. The third line could be a, a first line on some some teams, right? Sure. So, so for me, it's more of the fact he needs his swagger back. I love watching him play with his swagger, the jersey pumps, the big sellies. Everybody gets infected with it. And I think Coyle and him, if they can get hot together, watch out. They are two guys that – that they, they, they're just skyrocket. We saw it with Coyle when he got traded. His confidence was unbelievable. Yeah, but we're also seeing how streaky Coyle can be when he was yeah. playing with Minnesota too. Yeah, and, I, and I'll say it again. I know I'm, I'm beating my dead horse and it's um, a broken record and whatever you want to cliche you want to call it. But that's one of the reasons why I was not a big, huge fan of the Coyle trade. And it wasn't because I, they lost um, Ryan Donato or mm -hmm. a draft pick. It was just... I really want to – I want to make trades from a high point. If this player is producing points, let's go after him, regardless of the price. The price yeah. might have dropped because it wasn't lighting it up in Minnesota. But still, I just want to get somebody in there that's fresh, hot, and they can put the puck on the net and not like let's trade an asset, a prospect, a pick, and let's just uh, go on a women of prayer and see if, he, if, a, if a, a new location – in the National Hockey League will spark his career. That's just way too much for me. But once I got to see Coyle play, I got got comfort with his uh, his puck possession skills. But these uh, point productions just got to get there. Got to. I mean, you're driving that third line on a on a consistent basis, and don't take him off that third line and put him my right right wing. Oh no, God. no, 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 no. And and uh, something to add to that uh, that contract, if. You know, he got he signed that extension, five million dollars. I don't know exactly. It was north, little north of five million a year. I'm five point two, sure. I believe. Yeah, that that's a big ticket if a guy's gonna struggle, right? We saw it with Bacchus. We there were almost identically the same type of players in uh, their younger careers. So yeah, it is concerning with Coil. Mark, I got a question for you. Do you think we're gonna look back on this year and be like, okay, that was weird? But now we're getting back into uh, some normal Bruins jargon and less of the, well, is this team a seller? Is this team – like I'm just curious what you think uh, going into next season, how Bruins fans will perceive what the year was this year. Yeah, it's it, – I, I don't know. 
it's weird because everybody's a mixed bag of emotions um, lately and within the past year. You can't go to games. Um, you know, just, there's so much going on in personal life, so much going on in, in sports lives. When you when you are looking to get away from your normal life to watch a game for three hours and get away from the monotony that's going on outside of your windows. But I think once we get more involved into getting the fans back of the stands, getting more relaxed, everybody can get back into somewhat um, bit of normalcy. I think the fans will come back around. Uh, I just think that everybody's really pushing the button and we'll talk about it later about the fan freak out. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I just, I, I think everybody will get back to normal. I mean, it's the internet. That's not going to change. You're still going to have mm-hmm. crazy, crazy assholes uh, just blurting out shit that, that I, I think that they just freaking just drop just to stir, stir the pot. Yeah. And, you know, it's almost like running down a hallway with a girl, with a gr- a lighted grenade, you know, a yeah. live grenade and you pick the door with the full, uh, a room full of people and you toss it in there and you just run. And then you yeah. look back and see what happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically the internet, Bruins Twitter, hockey Twitter in a nutshell. It is. So. It is. <laughs> All right. Um, let's move on to another topic. We gotta talk about where in the world is Carmen San Diego. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, where in the world is Anders Bjork? And I also added on where is Trent Frederick? Interesting, yeah. interesting topics right here. And here's why I find it interesting, especially when it, uh, concerning Anders Bjork. Before Anders got the um, air quotes uh, doghouse tag on him, I thought he had four or five games where he was noticeably impactful, had a couple assists, had a, had a goal, I believe, was getting to those areas that um, Billy Jaffe and um, and uh, Andrew Raycroft talk about on their Morning Brew Hockey podcast and YouTube channel about getting into the 15-foot area, uh, the top of the uh, crease, back to the hash marks, where the Boston Bruins don't score a ton of goals. I kind of thought Anders was using his speed effectively to weave in and out and be in those areas. Maybe that's a small impact that I'm seeing. Uh, you might have a difference of opinion, but I don't know why exactly it was it was just like that's it we're, we're closing the freaking uh the door when you're gonna be watching and i'm almost almost thinking i i don't know if this is if there's trade issues or anything like that we've heard several times from several members of the media saying um we're hold agents come out and say we're holding the player out because there's a trade coming we heard it with paul mary and somebody else hmm. we haven't heard anything with anders bjork to me, I'm not sure if this is a trade or could be, but mm-hmm. he's not like a huge piece in a trade. My thought is this is going through the Chris, Chris Wagner doghouse where he sat six games and uh, couldn't get in his head. And then he came back and, and obviously Wags was uh, was uh, in the lineup. And I thought he did OK. He was, he was physical. Yep. He's showing his speed. Um, so maybe we're just seeing that, too. The Frederick thing, just an illness, non-COVID I don't believe he's in the trade talks. I don't want to see him traded. I think his physicality is something that we need now and in the future, regardless if he's a, a fourth or a third line role. But um, yeah. what, do you, what are your thoughts on these two players, respectfully? Well, first of all, uh, with Bjork, his, his numbers aren't there. Five points, negative eight, and 30 games played. But he also hasn't been given a whole lot of opportunity to make the uh, coaching staff keep him in the lineup in a, in a bigger role than he, I think he thinks he deserves. 
I've I've always been curious about Bjork and Bruce Cassidy. I know I'm, I'm this is just my opinion. I I don't know if Bruce Cassidy is the biggest Bjork fan as he wasn't a very big Danton Heinen fan when we found out later on. Um with Trent Frederick, he better not be traded. The Bruins haven't had a player like this in a long time. He reminds me of very young Lucic, you know, just running around, being a menace. But I also think he needed a couple games off. I think he needed um, a, a check, I guess, a mental check. Just, yeah, he was sick. Things happen, whatever. But he was one of the only players that played every game up until that point. He He looked a little drained at times. Some games it looked like it was almost hard for him to get up. And I wonder if this had to do with the sickness that he's been dealing with. It, it could very well be. But with Bjork, I actually I, I know somebody who is kind of close to the Buffalo organization. And I didn't tweet this out or anything because this is just a friend giving me some sort of knowledge that he heard. And he told me that Sweeney's offer is Bjork and a conditional first for Hall. Now, Buffalo's working through that to see if they – want Bjork or not that's the rumor that's going around they want to see if he's a fit um but that's just something I've heard so I wouldn't be surprised if he was traded but like I said I also wouldn't be surprised if this is the Chris Wagner doghouse scenario the Sean Crowley doghouse scenario uh just to the, I didn't think he was playing that bad before he oh. started getting scratched but you never know right we're not the coach yeah exactly or medical <laughs> staff for that matter yeah. Um, but I do want to circle back a little bit on T- Trent Frederick. Um, and you and y- you brought up a really good point about him being one of the players that played every game up to the time that he had to be sit. But let's put that time frame into perspective, okay? Let's think about the game he started as his professional career to when it stopped. And that gap right there, I want to concentrate on the beginning to the to the end, and mm-hmm. his game. When you said he was an absolute menace, which which this Boston Bruins team needed. You needed somebody else to get under the skin. Marshan can't be the only uh, nose face killer that does that in the league or yeah. on this Boston Bruins team. It's got to be by committee, but you also have to have the strength. And, and we know Trent Frederick can just drop the gloves and just, you know, waffle somebody's face. Yeah, he's um, not afraid. No, he's not afraid. But here's the thing. what I'm, I'm, I'm under the impression that the Bruins and management saw – him at his best to start his career, but then was just like as he's running around, chirping, things are coming on the mic and so on, which is awesome, by the way. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it, the NHL also sell that audio because I would completely subscribe to it. Oh yeah, you oh, know, yeah. obviously bleep out the shit that's really bad. Yeah, but I want to yeah, hear exactly. The, I want to hear the Sean Thornton like, "Hey, I'll let you pick what hand I beat the fuck out of you with." You yeah, know what I mean? yeah that's exactly. the type of shit I want to hear, but. Yeah. Do you have a feeling anywhere in your body that Bruce Cassidy and management said, dude, you need to tone it down. And maybe we're seeing Trent Frederick's toned down version of his style of hockey, not jive with what he really wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, he got that penalty. I don't know exactly what game it is, but it cost the Bruins a very ba- valuable goal. I'm pretty sure. And I think he, he wasn't benched, but he definitely took a couple shifts. The fourth line on itself didn't really get awarded a couple shifts after shifts after that. Sorry, I do think Bruce Cassidy told him to reel it back a little bit. I think Bruce Cassidy loves him though too because he's always praised him. But I I do think like like Cassidy said, there's gonna be learning curves with him. He has to find that fine line that Marshawn used to uh, toe every so often. 
Uh, like you said about Mar- Marshy can't be the only guy. Like you, you got uh, Nick Ritchie. He can do the job, but he he doesn't seem like the biggest under the skin kind of guy. He seems like the type of guy that's gonna come in and you know, oh, I didn't like what you just did there. I'm gonna show you my fist real quick. We saw it the other night when he beat up on uh, who was it, Lawton? Yeah. Or no, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So no, it was uh, Hathaway. Sorry. Yeah. Hathaway. Yeah. So uh, it's it's tough to say, but this is. It's just going to help, I think, his uh, trajectory up into what Bruce Cassidy wants him to do. I think Bruce Cassidy is holding his cards really tight with this one. I think they he knows he's going to have Frederick for a very long time, uh, whether he's still – obviously, hopefully, he's still there like Cassidy. But I, I think he's telling him, okay, let's, let's just ease into this. You showed everyone in the league who you are. They know if they want to come looking for you, and I say it's okay, it's okay. But until then, you just calm down a little bit because we don't need you costing us hockey games. Because we saw it happen to Richie in the playoffs, and it, I know it wasn't 100% his fault. It was a tough play. But it, Bruce Cassie was upset, and you could tell he was upset. And he doesn't like bad penalties. You saw Lazon get sit a couple games ago after his bad penalty. So I think he definitely has tightened the leash a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um before we move on to the next topic, we've got about 10 minutes before we take our hour break and hear from Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Let's hit on the recent um, goaltending talks. Um, we've had uh, a, a lot of different goaltenders due to injury and COVID-related issues, um, but we've seen some really good goaltending from the young core, and Jeremy Swayman and Dan Vladar have really shown Bruins fans, Bruins Nation, Bruins management – what's to come of the future from these guys. But there's a lot of people that um, I, I just, I call them and I don't mean to name call or anything like that, but they're, they're the shiny new toy uh, group or crew, mm. whatever. And the they see, does. yeah, they see something. So that's a great analogy. I really yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> you barracuda. <laughs> yeah. So then you're um, not saying something bad about them, right? Exactly. <laughs> like you're not like calling then, them a day. Well, at yeah. least that point they could, I can see him on Twitter going, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, like, put him in a mental pretzel for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was a good. But, um, you know, they see how Jeremy Swayman's playing and his confidence. He's smiling all the time. Uh, his character is just unbelievable in, in press conferences. You see how relaxed and I just need to do a job. I want to stop every puck. All they want to do is win uh, for the team from Dan Vladar. These are all great things that we're seeing. But, man, this fan base has to pump the brakes on uh, let's just wipe away our our, um, our thoughts of Yaroslav Halak and Tuka Rask and the experience that those guys have and what they've done as a 1A, 1B in this league in the past three years and so on. I'm not saying that they were uh, Jennings Trophy winners every year, uh, Vesna Trophy winners every year, but they were always up there in the rankings, um, especially for the Jennings anyway. It's a team thing, mm-hmm. but... Where, where do you stand with this? Do you, are you one of those types of people? I know I probably not, but are you t- one of those types of people that just says, let's ride the hot hand, let's ride the kids and see what we have? Or are you a patient guy? Well, I'm not a trade to Karras guy. That's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Cause I saw, I saw you liked uh, RA from spit and chicklets uh, tweet today, the picture two articles in a row, exact same picture, exact same headline. Uh, it's it's tough to watch because, you know, Tukaras, one of my favorite players of all time. I love the guy. And it it's, I, I like you said, the Barracuda theory. Everyone just sees the shiny new thing. 
but we have to remember they're 22 and 23 year old kids. We saw what happened with Carter Hart, and I am not about to ruin these kids' career, not ruin, but uh, hinder their development on uh, Bruins fans on Twitter wanting, you know, the shiny new thing we're talking about. For me, yes, it definitely puts questions up about Halak for next year, for sure. I understand where it's a business and we're playing a cap, but these guys that, like you said, Tuka and Halak have been unbelievable for us. When Tuka went down, I don't know if it was last year, a couple of years ago, Rask, or sorry, uh, Halak, he just stepped right up. Did He looked like that guy that we played against when he was in the Montreal Canadiens. Like, he looked like that guy from St. Louis. So, for me, it's uh, make sure Tuka's okay, first of all. Make sure he gets healthy. And then from there, I don't, like, I don't, if Halak got traded today, I'd definitely shake my head. Or if he got traded tomorrow before the deadline, I'd definitely shake my head. So I, I definitely am happy that we have this um, opportunity with these prospects in front of us. But in no way, shape, or form am I shaking up our goalie situation unless it's just to save money with the lock thing. And they think genuinely uh, Vladdy or Swayman are as ready to be a backup goaltender in the NHL. And yeah, I'm have not... that. Oh. No, just I... and, and have that. Right. I'm sorry. I, I keep freaking. No, no. Yeah, no problem. Um, it brings me back to uh, a night on national television. It was NBC game. Uh, Bob McKenzie mentioned, which which stunned fans, actually. And this was also a time when Tuka Rask was healthy and so was Jaroslav Alak, non-COVID issues and so on. That Bob McKenzie came out and said that the Boston Bruins are interesting and entertaining conversations with Jaroslav Alak and uh, Tuka Rask on retaining both of them for minimal contracts. Um, and those talks were supposed to happen in season this year mm-hmm. as both of them on are, are on expiring contracts. So I was comfortable with that. But also that told me right then and there, and regardless of what Jeremy Swayman and Dan Vladar were doing down in Providence, which have been outstanding things, not only at the NHL level, but down in the development system with uh, head coach Jay Leach, that the management is not comfortable with moving on to two rookies that are making less than probably $1.7 million a year. Cap friendly. Absolutely. You can address certain needs, but do you have that trust in two goaltenders going, doing a tandem, doing 41, 41 um, that to me read that they aren't ready for at least another year. Uh, and they're going to insert them, you know, accordingly uh, let's have a vet and maybe, a, ba- a younger backup, but not two at the same time, like many fans want. So now we're, it's different. Tuka Rask is suffer- suffering from something that's, um, it, it sucks. It really does. But now we have to think about him. He's an aging veteran. He is a Boston Bruins player that has set records in this organization. And he is legitimately, regardless of the cup that was won in 2011 as a backup, he is the best goaltender that this organization has seen in the past. Uh, numbers don't lie, folks. Um, no. But the injury, what do you think? I mean, if you bring him on for minimal term, uh, he's got to come down off of that $7 million. I don't yep. think they'll offer him that. I think the Bruins will offer him $4 million if he If he takes it, he takes it. If he doesn't, he doesn't. That's fine. But the injury thing... Keeps me um, thinking about the risk versus reward. I mean, the reward could be good because Tuka's a very experienced goaltender. He's been in the playoffs. He's been in the cup finals. Um, but the injuries and 
the future and so on just makes me kind of think. So before we um, we talk about the uh, insertion of these young goaltenders, what are your thoughts on possibly bringing back Rask and Halak uh, and thoughts on maybe that the organization isn't so high on the younger kids coming into the uh, in, onto the team quite yet? Uh, yeah, well, I definitely want to see Rask come back. And for something that you mentioned before, he, he'd be a great veteran to help mold these kids into what he is. To be honest, I see a lot of uh, Rask in Swayman. His play, the way he moves around the crease, he's kind of got that Tuka Rask, Tim uh, Thomas style of swagger to him where he's not afraid to be aggressive. You hear Jack Edwards over and over on the broadcast talking about how aggressive he is off the blue line. So I would like to see Tuka at the very least Halak, if not Tuka, uh, come back and help these kids, right? Like like you said, I don't I'm not convinced in management in any way, shape, or form is looking at going with two pro or two young goalies next year. Especially with uh, Cam Neely and Donnie. Like I just they don't see they don't strike me as the type of guys to put a lot of trust in that. Especially with holding on to a lot of the core that they have that they inherited from GMs before, right? Yeah. So for me, I would like to see definitely way lower uh aav for tuca but i would like to see him come back the big question is you saw the articles last year in the summer he said he's not going to play for anybody but the boston bruins so does that mean he retires if he does you know what i mean like yeah i i it's it's a big question the back thing he's got a bad back he's had a bad back for a while um it's tough to watch but i would i would definitely love to see him come back i wouldn't put that out of the question at all and and to the fans out there listening, I'm not I'm not you know calling you out or anything like that. But the ones that say that Tuka's a great goalie and he's done a fantastic job for this organization, but when he comes back healthy, and obviously it's not going to be before the trade deadline, which is tomorrow at noon, or is it three o'clock? Uh, it's at two fifty-five, I think. Oh, really? What? A, yeah, that's a strange yeah. one. Go at least that's, it's COVID yeah. pandemic times. You can't even round it off to it. I know, right? I saw TSN post uh, uh, an image yesterday about their streaming. It said till two forty-five or okay. two fifty-five. Sorry, I thought it was very weird, but <laughs> yeah. So, um, um, with that being said, I just it's I don't think it's going to happen. A lot of them are saying, well, why don't we trade him? Because he's got high value right now. We could get something back before he walks away and as his uh, contract expires. But with with his career and all everything that he's done at this point, that's the type of guy that if he wants to go or finish his career here and we don't get anything for him, that's fine. I'm kind of on the yeah. same board with David Krejci, too, when a lot yeah. of people uh, clam that we need to trade Krejci now because if he walks, we don't get anything for him um and you also can go back to the tory krug thing that was just a shit storm of what the fuck you know what i mean yeah. it's like you had yeah. a conversation with him a verbal i heard uh and offering him a deal they both said yep yep okay and but then a year later you go back to the table and management says that offer is no longer uh, available which is which was a, a main reason why krug was uh so upset and walked away and signed with the um the St. Louis Blues. So yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely, I agree with that. It's it was hard to watch Crew walk away, but you know, management had different. Uh, like I'm pretty sure Don Sweeney said last year, if we don't re-sign Krug, well then that is our rental, you know, and yeah. that's how you kind of have to look at it with Krejci too. If we don't re-sign him, that then he's a rental for us, and we just got a free rental. So it it would suck, but 
like you said, the, the amount that they've given the organization, Stanley Cup winners, I know that Asterix was with uh, Tuca, but still Stanley Cup winners, gave our franchise um, a culture that, you know, we're, we're seeing now today, and it's not going to go away. It's All stuck right. with the Bruins. Yeah, like just like that, stuck with me. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, so that was my gift to myself on uh, yeah. in June 15th, June 16th. I was in the tattoo yeah. parlor, like, do it. He's like, that's going to yeah. cost. Like, I'm, just do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no questions, do it. <laughs> All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break right now. We're going to hear from the awesome Bruce Sullivan, and he is from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, and he is a fantastic person that gives us all these awesome deals signed Andy Moog uh, picture eight by 10, but also these hand signed jerseys every month that we give away. Uh, check out the information that you're going to see in a little while. Check out his Facebook group, give him a follow, send him an email, ask him what he's, what he has in, in his inventory. The guy has sit downs with Phyllis Bezito, Brad Park, um, uh, Johnny Busick, all of them have been sat down in his private signings and so on. So it's all legit stuff. And I wouldn't deal with them if it wasn't legit. So uh, we'll hear from Bruce right now and we'll come back and much awaited 2021 NHL trade deadline talk from my man Brett over here. We're going to get right into it. So we'll be right back. <laughs> Hello, Bruins fans. This is Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our Black and Gold Memorabilia Moment of the Week. Hall of Famers Month continues, and we are showcasing photos, jerseys, and pucks from the greatest players of all time. First up, get a Bobby Orr autographed GNR authenticated puck for just $149, or score with Bobby's Ultimate Orr, the massive 28 by 30 inch Ultimate Autograph Special Edition for $379. Or the 22 by 26 inch The Goal Special Edition for $279. Hall of Famer Brad Park from our February private signing score the black style jersey for just $159 delivered. Or an autographed inscribed puck for $35, an 11 by 14 photo display for just $55, or the 15 by 20 autographed special edition for just $89. Score with your choice of Cheevers. Coyle, Middleton, Busick, or O'Reilly autographed jerseys right now, just $89 delivered. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand-signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go. What's up, Bruins fans? We are back. We just heard from the awesome Bruce Sullivan from the Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Back here with my friend Brett Howard, and he is uh, at uh, the Beehive Pod. The Beehive Pod. He changed it from, um, what was it before? It was the Bear Tracks, but then I yes. realized the Bruins already had a video series called the Bear Tracks. So I didn't want to, you know, I was like, ah, I'll come up with something else. And I thought right. the Beehive was good, right? 
yeah. where all the guys came from. <laughs> yeah, and then you freaking put pod on it. So now it's going to be a podcast on the blackandgoldhockey.com podcast network. So we're thrilled to have you aboard the uh, Black and Gold Productions sports media company team, my friend. Yeah, I'm super excited. Yeah. All right. So let's get right into it. It is the trade deadline, and let's come in the second hour hot. We, I got some ideas to float around. We've picked through Twitter and, and noticed some names. So we made a list. So this is where my friend uh, Brett is going to go off in a little bit. And I, I hope to chime in a little bit on some um, some wisdom, maybe. We'll know. Who knows about that? <laughs> but uh, to see what he thoughts on some of these guys that uh, have an idea before the uh, trade deadline actually happens. So go for it, bud. Well, first and foremost, we obviously the biggest one that everyone's been talking about and uh, the biggest one the Bruins is linked to is Taylor Hall. The question is with his point production this year and uh, like we very we need scoring very badly and he hasn't been scoring in Buffalo. I know it's Buffalo. They have a tough, tough team this year. They had a was it 18 games in a row losing streak, but his numbers this year, I got right here, uh, two goals, 17 assists for 19 points in 37th game. Not great, but he's still getting out there. He's uh, He's got a really bad plus minus, but so does everybody on Buffalo. Um, my biggest thing to look at is last year, he put up uh, 20, 22 goals, 28 assists for 50 points in 69 games played. He's a four-time 20-goal scorer. I'm starting to think uh, for the right package and the right pieces. I don't want to give up a first round pick for a rental this year. That's not just not something I want to do, especially with the type of year it is. If you're getting giving up a first round pick, you best be getting somebody with term. And now the question is, so what what is a Hall extension look like? Uh, four times four, four times five. I definitely don't want to see it past that in any yeah. way, shape or form because He's putting up coil numbers this year, right? And we already have a guy we're paying 5.25 to put up those numbers on a third line. So if well he's going to yeah, if he's going to come in and inject into this lineup, we need the hall that that played for Arizona last year. He turned it on when he had the tools around him. And I think a Pasternak Krejci Hall line like how much more, you know, the skill is there, whether or not they mesh good or what. Yeah, that's the question that everyone has. Um, sticking with Buffalo, this one is very interesting to me. And I don't know, I, I want your uh, input on this one, Mark. Sam Reinhardt, I said it to you on the live stream as well. He's got a year left at an accumulated cap hit or just the rest of this year for $4 million. He's He was a second overall pick in 2014. He's only 25 years old. And he goes into RFA in the summer. I don't know if there's arbitration rights. But listening to uh, Biz, who is friends with him on Spit and Chicklets, always talks about how undervalued he is in that Buffalo organization. And he talks about how he keeps getting these show-me deals when in the past he's clearly shown that he can put up the numbers. Like last year, he put up 50 points in 69 games on a, on a tough Buffalo team to watch. He's a four-time 20-goal scorer. He can put the puck in the net. He scored on us uh, a couple weeks ago. But I was just curious, Mark, what you think about him going into the summer being an uh, RFA. Are you willing to give up uh, an Anders Bork and a conditional first to make sure, you know, oh, uh, if he gets a certain amount of goals in the playoffs or um, maybe strictly uh, point-driven conditional first-round pick? Yeah, uh, he is um, – 
arbitration rights available. He does? So, okay. Yeah, he does. Okay. He's got the hammer. So that is kind of scary. Yeah. Um, That's scary. Reinhardt first, uh, young player, like you mentioned. He's got definitely has a skill. Uh, if it if if it could work out and you're not paying a haul, and I'm, I'm that was a pun. Um, H U L A U L. If you're not, you know, for forcing the hand of that you're going to be like taking away from the Boston Bruins future, I would do Reinhardt because his age and his and he, he does have a year of term, which I'm a huge fan of when making a deal. It's really tough, like. Bruins were all in on like well not all in I'm sorry I shouldn't have said that Bruins were like rumored to be in on Kyle Palmieri. Yeah, he had an expiring year contract. My theory is, and this Boston Bruins team and the way that Don Sweeney negotiates and always tries to get everybody down, like this player is making that that might this is what we do to create a culture here. I think that if Paul Mary was here and Don Sweeney was trying to do that to him and then expectations weren't made, like even a playoff year or a first round exit, that Paul, a type of a player like Paul Mary could turn around and say, Don, I, I don't like it here and go somewhere else. So now mm-hmm. you paid up a first round draft pick or in an asset for somebody that walked away. I like the idea of having the term. The one year to just sit down with a, a player like Reinhardt that's young and talented and so on and could really help out that secondary scoring in the future for this Boston Bruins team. Back to Hall, it's still a no rental thing. And for me, if he does want to sign an extension, then I'm up for it. But still, what are we giving up to get it? I mean, I'd definitely give a second round pick. But also, we do have to think about, and I keep uh, forgetting to bring it up lately is that the scouting has been subpar this year because of the fact is that um, scouts can't go into certain areas of the, of the North America because of COVID and so on. And they've hired other people to go and do their, their, their work for them, or they're only watching on um, um, hockey TV uh, subscription and it, where, the, where the play is always following the puck and you're not seeing anything else. You're not seeing character stuff that you would in a rink. So, it's so such a gamble this year. If you're going to pick somebody in the first round, and if they actually are projected to where they are selected at or not, it, it's 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 going to be weird. But for somebody like Hall that potentially could turn around and get a spark and so on this year, I wouldn't be mad if they gave up that first round pick, but only if he can be resigned and not a rental, not a rental situation. And that's the thing too. Like uh, one thing that I keep thinking about, and obviously we're not the GMs, and we don't know what Donnie Sweeney's thinking. But an extension doesn't have to be five times five or four four times five. It can be a two year extension, and I'm still okay with that. Just for this window that we have right now, he's not the youngest player. He's not the oldest. He's right in the middle, right? Like he's still in his prime. He still has time left to turn it around if he can. And you're telling me a, a, a former MVP playing on a line with a superstar like Pasternak, well, then you can start going into the aspect of what if it rejuvenates Pasternak? And what if Pasternak starts seeing passes and, you know, you got that internal battle of, well, you got an MVP coming in here that put up 39 or 40 goals that one year. Well, I was that guy last year, right? Yep. So yep. Maybe it puts a smart spark under uh, Pasternak's ass. Maybe maybe you can pull Smith down, put Pasta back up. Then you got the even Smith, Hall, and Krejci. I'm not mad at that line. No, no, that's that's yeah. one thing to drool at, actually. Yeah. 
and especially like you you see Smith driving the play to the middle. I yeah. I love it. He's one of the only guys on our team other than Marshawn that does that. He thrives on pushing the his big body through. He you can see in front of the net he his his hand eye coordination on watching pucks and rebounds come off the goalie is is so impressive. It, it, I've really enjoyed watching it this year. Absolutely. Now, how about the rest of the list? I'm curious about the uh, yeah. some of the non. I mean, we've heard Don Sweeney, we've heard um, John Ferguson Jr. spending a lot of time out west, um, predominantly in the Anaheim, Los Angeles area. But with that western type of uh, conference, uh, he could be could have been there for several different reasons to try to catch uh, several different teams coming through that general area, much like uh, Arizona and the connection to Connor Garland or or rumored connection, sorry, um, mm-hmm. and, or anybody else. But um, like uh, you have one up here or a couple actually um, with uh, Iafalo, Brown, and Raquel. Yeah. So talk about some of those players. So uh, Raquel is very interesting to me because when they Sent the pick and Bacchus and got Kasha, Kasha sorry, coming back the other way. It was rumored that Raquel was going to be that player coming back, but it didn't happen for whatever reason. We got what we got. Now I'm starting to think, well, is this Sweeney's second go at what he missed last year or what he couldn't put together for last year? Again, a guy with no term. I would like to see somebody come back with an extension. Where You, you mentioned something earlier about how uh, this team right now is not a Stanley Cup team. So if that's the case, I want somebody coming back that's going to build towards what we have left. And hopefully they can help the transition from the Bergeron era to the McAvoy-Pasternak era. They can be those little pieces that so we're not a complete rebuild team or we don't have to pull an Ottawa and just sell, sell, sell everything and be bad for five years. I'm not saying that that's going to happen. We all don't know the future, but – I really like Raquel's numbers this year. Um, he's got 22 points in 37 games. Last year, he had uh, 42 points in 65 games. He's a three-time 20-goal scorer. He can put the puck in the net. He's energetic. He's I'm pretty sure he's Czech as well, which is a big thing for Sweeney. I, he loves the Czech guys. So for me, it's a no-brainer if you can get an extension. I think, as like, uh, like I said with Reinhardt, he's young can put the puck in the net. He'd be a good addition on the second line. He pretty much would be the replacement for Kasha. And then that comes in, okay, do we need Kasha? Do we need to retain him? As sad of a story that that is, it's something that you need to look at. If we can get a guy extended and be the guy he was supposed to be, well, he's expendable at that point, right? Yeah, absolutely. Good points. Um, With Dustin Brown and Ayafalo, Dustin Brown and Ayafalo for me are very interesting because – they're middle six guys at this point in their career, especially on this Bruins roster. I don't know if giving up uh, picks and prospects for Iafalo is the best idea. He also is in contract negotiations. I've also heard LA is trying to re-sign him. So I, it might not even be an option at that point. It's just somebody who is uh, – their contract's coming up, and that's just what happens in the NHL, the speculation. You've seen yeah. a lot of guys that don't go anywhere and that end up re-signing, maybe even in the offseason. LA has no pressure. They have so much cap flexibility. They have these great prospects coming up. That one, to me, is going to be a last-hour one if they are picked up, Dustin Brown or I follow. I like Dustin Brown a little more, uh, especially beside Coyle. I think that'd be 
really good. He can push that play. Maybe even with Krejci, he, um, he pushes the play, like I said, from the outside to the middle. And that's something we've been lacking this year. Like, Coyle was that guy last year, and he hasn't been. And he's got some jam, too. You know, he, yeah. he, I mean, I'm not saying that he'd be that Lucic or um, – um, why is it? Losing my freaking mind. Oh, Horton. Yeah, well, it won't be the yeah. Lucian and Horton thing for a yeah. type of player like Krejci, but it's a it's a pretty comparable for you know um, yes. nuisance that he can get under your skin, and obviously he's having. I'm not just gonna say this is like career year because of the no. um, condensed season or anything like that, but he's having a solid season. Yeah, 25 points, 38 games for a guy. His he got apparently uh, L.A. came at him in the summer. I heard this on a podcast, and they told him that. He needs to, you know, get more in shape and figure his game out a little better. And I guess he came in like 30, 30 pounds lighter than normal. He worked on skating all the offseason because that's, yeah. that's a big thing in the L.A. organization. They draft fast players. They like fast players. There was a different point when he was drafted and he was brought in like the, the cups they won, you know, forever. They're going to be grateful for that. But that was a different team. That was a slow team. That, that It was very documented that L.A. won that cup that first one when they came in on the eighth seed, they were a very slow team, but they were yep. hard to play against. And like you just said, he brings that grit. It Richie can't do it every night. He needs to score goals. He's a he's a, a two-dimensional player. It's not the fastest, yes, but he complements Krejci very well. So if you can get another guy like du- Dustin in there, uh, depending on where he interjects in the lineup, I, I see it as a good fit. I just don't want to give up a lot for it. Yeah, and uh, Brett Richie and... and- what a turnaround uh, this season has seen from last year. I was completely crapping on the guy last year, but given some time, I'm, I, I'm starting to eat grow big time. Uh, and, but you can't, you cannot deny the guy's net front presence either. No. And he's solid in front of the net. Always, um, not always there, but most of the time he's there to uh, create havoc for the goaltender, um, create a lane for a shooter coming from the point, but also, you know, be there to be that scrappy, you know, rebound guy that just wants to just power it into the back of the twine. So I like Richie's game this year. Yeah. His vision. That's one thing I've noticed in front of that. His vision has picked up a lot better. Last year was getting hit by pucks left and right. I think he needed time to work with those power play guys, especially on learning their, uh, I guess, tricks and quirks. Like, you know, Marshawn and Bergeron, they have their special plays that are like unspoken of. Yeah. Right. So I think I remember Pasta was hitting him in the playoffs. Like I think he hit him like eight times last year. I was counting because I was yeah. like, "What's going on?" <laughs> it's it, it was tough to watch, but I'm I'm glad he's picked it up this year. Um, one guy that you asked me about before we came on was um, Mikael Granlin. I I like the move if it's a conditional third, a conditional fourth, uh, a depth piece. But we also have those depth piece within our organization. It's just whether or not uh, Bruce Cassidy and Don feel like they want to put the trust in them. Because we keep hearing Don, we keep hearing rumblings that Don is all in. No matter what, everything is in this year. Everything's in play, which it can be scary or it could end up working out in the end. It, that's it. So for me, I, would la- I wouldn't mind Granlin, but I don't know if the Bruins are pursuing him as much as they were seeing as Nashville. Um, that's just what I read. Sorry, because Nashville has been on a heater lately. Yeah, and which puts um, one player that you have on your list is Lindholm. Um, when 
when Nashville wasn't playing very good, his name was being brought up in a lot of trade talks, especially when it's coming towards the trade deadline and so on. And yeah. obviously, it'll gravitate to the Bruins because they do. We do need. I mean, we need all kinds of defensemen right now. But at the moment, it was more or less we need a left shot, left D. And yeah. uh, you know, and his name got brought up. But those guys are, are playing very well. Uh, they're yeah. cer- certainly coming up the standing. So I'm not sure if he's going to be somebody to be traded. Um, but the the other one is Merrill. I, and I don't yeah. have a ton of information on uh, Merrill, but I know that uh, he got he, dealt. Yeah. 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 So I he went, he went he from Detroit on. to Montreal. Montreal, right? Yeah. So yeah. he's going to go through a five day um, quarantine process, a border crossing. Uh, so I'm, I'm not too, too sure on Merrill. I know that uh, somebody put out on Twitter that he's um, like a, a kind of a McQuaid type of player. Uh, yep. Not overly offensive, but big and shut down, shut down ish. Uh, somebody compared him to Brandon Carlo, kind of sorta. So um, that would be would have been a good one, but it is what it is. A big trend I'm noticing with uh, the rumors and the players that I, I've uh, laid out and was researching today. There's a lot of pairs. Like it, it almost looks like Sweeney's looking to grab a forward and a defense in one trade off one team. Uh, he's the link to the Raquel thing, the uh, Lindholm, and then I saw Manson as we were about to come on as well, who are all uh, great players, but the, it's the package coming back the other way, right? If you're going to get a borderline top four defenseman and a, um, a stapled in top six forward, it's going to cost you, especially in today's day and age. And I know Bruce Cassidy and uh, I think it's Bob Murray of Anaheim, they they have a good relationship. They trade a lot together. Yep. So it wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised at all if you see uh like McDermott, he was linked to the Dustin Brown talks. Mc, uh, McDermott's also a guy like that McQuaid. He doesn't put up the most numbers, but he, I, I've heard he's like a better version of Tenorti. So to me it all is all gonna come down on if they can get that special deal they want the two guys at one if they can't i you're gonna see a lot of scrambling at the trade deadline or those like um on the fly rumors that we saw in the lot previous years with uh don sweeney well we saw it recently even even up towards of this week with uh new jersey before paul mary got dealt it was um a rumor uh the don sweeney and bruins were looking at him and uh dmitry kulikov both 30 year old uh players coming um uh, at the end of expiring contracts um uh, obviously you know paul mary uh, got a deal done and you know we didn't bring that up in the topic but going back to paul mary i want to say that the, this was like known so long ago like we yeah. heard this oh, from yeah. Elliot friedman and jeff merrick that i mean he's from the metro new york area mm. Uh, New Jersey, Long Island, not that far away. It, it, you know, his family's living right there. It just made a ton of sense. And it, and it actually came to fruition. So, And they made the point on uh, 31 Thoughts that he wouldn't even have to move. He right. could live where he was living already. And that's a big, especially in this year, that's a big thing. He, Like you said, he's got a family. So uh, I I personally thought that was happening no matter what. Especially yeah. with Lou Lamorello, Lou Lamorello and his uh, connection to the New Jersey Devils. Yep. Uh, it it just it seemed like a no brainer to me, and I wouldn't have wanted to give that up for uh, Paul Marion's Ajax, to be honest. Well, it wasn't sure. a lot, a lot, but that first round pick and two prospects. They weren't the best prospects, but still, that's a lot to give up for uh, a couple of 
or what is it, 18 games and then playoffs? Yep. Yeah, it's a lot to give up. There's one that uh, I saw before we came on. It just uh, the waiver it, wire dropped. Is it Mete? Yes. Yeah. Explain that. The thing I I watched him in London. He was a London Knight, so I watched him growing up. He's great. He he's more of a defensive version of Grizzly. That's how I look at it personally. His numbers this year are three three points in fourteen games. Not great, but I saw um, his trend of defensive play is going up and his offensive go is going down one thing is uh we know Claude doesn't really trust people that um he sees aren't his fit of player so i don't think he was utilized very well in the montreal system i wonder what that would look like coming in being on a second pairing or third pairing in an organization like the bruins where we're very uh uh, the development of our defensemen, especially, is is one of our uh, strong suits, if you will. So, uh, to me, it, I didn't see the cap hit. I just wrote that up really quick before we got on because I saw it on Twitter. But I I wouldn't be surprised if Sweeney does it, seeing that he wouldn't have to give up any assets for anybody. But did, it didn't, didn't he get picked up by somebody? Did he? I think he did. Is it M E T E? Yeah, M E T E. Um, I, I thought I thought I saw something. They placed on waivers. That was three hours ago. Yeah. All right. So maybe it was just on waivers. I no, thought, yeah, I thought yeah, it was they picked waivers. them up. All right. Yeah. So he we already have a lot of small defensemen, and I know Boston Bruins fans don't aren't the biggest on smaller guys. It's more of a prove yourself uh, kind of thing. So you've seen it with Marshawn and Krug in the past, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if, and I'm saying if Sweeney did pull the trigger and it ended up working out in the end, because like I said, he's, he's in a system that he wasn't very u- utilized. He's now at a coaching change where that guy doesn't seem like uh, Ducharme. Sorry. He doesn't seem like he has much trust in him either. Only playing 14 games, uh, being put on the waiver wire it, it's definitely something to look into i i just uh, i thought it was very interesting just because i had watched him for like the past or not the past the four years he was in london and i always liked his play he played on that matthew kachuk team it was a good team the max nice. domi team they, they played really well they almost won a memorial cup so he knows how to win that's for sure awesome yeah. all right are we done with the uh, trade talk yeah yep yep yeah I'm, right. that was my last guy all right, awesome. Thank you so much for all the information you gathered. I really appreciate that. Oh yeah. Let's um let's blast through these cuz we're we're approaching about I think we got about a half an hour to go. So yeah. I just want to blow through these. Um Oh, I forgot where I moved. Ah, okay. Here we go. Here's another topic for uh, some interest. Could one or both high-ranking Boston Bruins management members Cam Neely or Don Sweeney be on the hot seat moving forward? The 2021 trade deadline will will dictate a lot uh, if the um, organization and ownership are giving them constraints to move, or if they or if they're not, um, you know, they'd be in the puppeteer and saying no, make a more lateral move. Who knows? Upcoming playoff success will that their um, hot seat narrative dictate on uh, postseason if they make it or not, and how far they go, and also after next season, because I kind of believe that maybe ownership says, um, let's not, 
Let's not talk about hot seat right now. Let's talk about hot seat after we get back to normalcy and we get back to an 82-game schedule where everybody's traveling and doing the same thing. If the team fails, then we'll uh, possibly revise uh, looking at uh, subtractions and incoming additions. So thoughts on, on, on hot seat talk, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't think it's uh, a complete issue right now. I don't think they're exactly on the hot seat. Like we said, we're going to see what happens with the trade deadline. But I'm with you on this. I, I don't see it being a complete hot seat problem, I guess, until what we see, where what the moves do this offseason and how the playoffs go this year. I know it's a weird year, and I don't count on Bruins management making a very vulnerable decision like that in this trying times. Cause then you got to remember, they got to spend more money to get another GM, right? That's, that's a big thing in this. You've heard it all year this year about coach firings and GM firings. That's, it's one of the biggest topics the, is that the good thing, my friend is that's not a capable number. <laughs> yeah. 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 True. <laughs> true. Yeah. So it's, I don't see it being a problem this year. I see it being more of a problem after next season, after a full 82 games fans back in the building, I hope like that, that is going to uh, determine whether or not Sweeney he, – he won GM of the year. So I, I, I just don't see it happening I know. anytime soon. If he's being recognized by the league, and, and I believe the writers um, vote on that. I'm pretty uh, sure he's an assistant GM of Team Canada coming up. Yes. Or he's got yes, help absolutely. in that. So, yep. like, I personally don't see it. Um, but, like, you never know. <laughs> this trade deadline could be disastrous. We might, we, you know, like all could go to worst and then maybe, but I just don't see them making a vulnerable decision like that right now. I almost have a feeling that they are going to wait a full uh, season next year. Like um, his drafting's been skeptical. I I think his past is going to start and Cam Neely's past. I'm going to put them both in here because I'm focusing the blame on both of them. Um, And that is just, and I'm going on that without a ton of information on what goes on above Neely and, and Sweeney and so on. So they might just be the puppets and, and ownership is the puppeteers, but yeah, it's just the fact is that his past and coming up to this year, it's a flat cap couple of years. I mean, I, I heard Merrick and Friedman talk about three to five years. This could be a flat cap. Yes. All this is going to pay heavy dividends on on their future and building another winner. So I, I want to say, let's see what happens after next season. Sweeney, Neely, and so on are going to have upwards of $30 million in cap space. I know we're going to have to address Carlo and McAvoy and all this in the future. There's a lot of avenues coming at you at once, but you can address several needs. You can address those two forwards if you can, if you have to make trade deadline uh, trades uh, t- prior to the draft, you know, mm. and yes. or, or add in free agency. I know the, that the free agent list is pretty thin this year and so on, but um, I want to see what they do then with a ton of cap space and so on. And if they don't make the playoffs in 21-22, boom, then you make your changes. You go out and get my boy Mike Fuda. Get that guy a yes. damn job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were talking about LA earlier with, um, yep. you know, and how they did. I mean, that guy worked under the mastermind, and I don't care what people say about Dean Lombardi. I thought he yeah. was a fantastic uh, GM. Yeah, and he having, was. And having Fuda right under him, and he was the real mastermind of the draft and picking players and so on, right out of Ontario. Good freaking Ontario guy. You yeah. know, I want to see him at, at, more or less. I say 
as we move forward and we're talking about hot seat and who should come in and so on, if somebody gets fired, I don't want to be a, a former player. I, I, no, I really don't want to be a former player and like a buddy buddy and like, you know, you did this for me. Thank you so much. We, we have connections here. I want somebody else with a fresh opinion. Something yep. that they can, a system that they could work on, a system that casts. And well, if, if we get a new GM, we're probably going to get a new coach. So anyway, yeah, most that, likely. That's, that's how it goes. Yeah. So, I yeah. Don't know. Uh, one thing you mentioned there that um, it I could see being very, um, I don't know. I could I, with Don Sweeney's signings and his extensions, he's gotten a lot of praise from the media, being able to keep the culture of uh, take less to win more. You know, you hear about it on a lot of different podcasts, how Boston's one of the best teams at doing that. And with $30 million, to me, I think management is going to want to see what he can do. Um, Like I said, the coil uh, extension, it looked great last year. It's, uh, you know, I'm not going to bank too much on this year because of the weird year or whatever, but the McAvoy resigning, the Carlo resigning, uh, when he got past an act sign, like, those are all good tickets. He did a really good job. Like Pasternak could last year looked like he's on one of the best contracts in the NHL. You got Brad Marchand making six, under seven million a year. So I wouldn't be surprised if they let him take the reins here. I know his drafting's been spotty, but we could get lucky this year. He could just shoot in the barrel, and we could. Uh, Elliot and Merrick were talking about how you're going to see a lot of great talent taken out of uh, taken in this draft in later rounds, just because there's not enough. Uh, um, scouting being done of these prospects. Yeah, very true. All right. Um, I had something I was going to say and I totally forgot, but that happens a lot in old age. Don't get, <laughs> don't, get don't get old, my friend. Yeah. Brett. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, moving on, and this is a popular topic now on Twitter because Twitter can be a dumpster fire sometime. Um, is it time to panic? Uh, is it, is it time to hit the panic button? On this Boston Bruins organization, some in the fan base seem to think blowing everything up and starting fresh is the way to go. What are your thoughts, sir? Uh, I think that uh, the management and the Bruins organization has way too much loyalty to Bergeron, Tuca, uh, Krejci, the core that we have. You've seen it in the years. They kept these guys over the other guys for a reason. They wanted to rebuild on the fly. They knew these guys still had it. You got uh, Elliot Friedman talking about how Don Sweeney, his loyalty to these guys, and that he doesn't see anytime soon. He says as long as Bergeron and Tuca are good to go, they're going for it every year. It's the same thing as the Crosby Malcolm Malkin, sorry, dynamic. You you got to try with the guys that you have until they can't do it anymore. And we got a cup, and if that means you know our prospect pool is going to be a little thin for a couple of years, like. That's just something we might have to deal with as a fan base. I know it's going to be really tough for some people, but in my personal opinion, I don't see blowing it up working or helping us in any way right now. Yeah, our prospect pool is thin. Our drafting isn't superb, but it's just something we're going to have to deal with. We have two great goalie prospects. Eventually, you're going to get the question, which one are they going to keep, right? So there's an asset right there that you have to trade. I'm not saying I want to see it happen, but it happens a lot in the NHL with goalie, uh, the AB dynamic. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's just transfer right into this next one real quick. Okay. Is the prospect pool too thin? Um, I, I believe so. I believe that we've seen so many prospects come in and out of a revolving door, call-ups, uh, steady, 
game time, much like Frederick and so on, and Studnika, which is just a, um, up and down. Uh, but since 2015, a lot of those prospects that were taking in um, in uh, in that 10 round, uh, I'm sorry, a seven round draft, but 10 selections were made. A lot of them didn't pan out. A lot of them were missed on, and we understand that. People make fumbles. It's life. Mistakes yeah. happen. But now is the time. I mean, the, the trade deadline is tomorrow. Um, I think that if you, if you, I don't know, it's kind of pushing the panic button for myself. But I think that if you want to replenish, you you do it accordingly. If you need to sell off somebody, which I don't think they're going to do, but you still need to replenish. So you need to keep that first round pick if you need to. I know I'm contradicting myself from earlier, saying if you need it to to address a certain need, but. You also got to think about the future and the way that this Boston Bruins team is. And I know that in, in high rankings from the athletic and, and, and the hockey writers and the hockey news and all that stuff, that the Boston Bruins don't have a highest ranked prospect pool in the league. But And I'm going to talk about how good this the, the Providence Bruins are and some of those prospects in my minor pro update uh, shortly after this. But, you know... It, we do need to get more more uh, players involved into this prospect pool because we're going to we're going to start seeing the 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 Marchands come down to the end of their contracts, the Bergerons. Somebody's going to have to come up and so on. So by blowing it up and going back to the uh, the topic above, I, you're going to be selling so much, you're going to be giving away the future so much that you're not going to really have anything to obtain for the next season, the 2021 season, in my opinion. So for, for me, even going back to the trade deadline talk, we started at the top of the hour. It's you don't, I don't see why anybody would do it when, with what we have and build from there and not take steps back and give away everything. Like, like Cam Neely said so many years ago, we're sprinkling the league with talent all over. I could see that scenario happen if they freaking, if they went out and got that big, that big, um, that big ticket person, that one addition, that probably won't sign here afterwards if he's a freaking um, um, a rental. But yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, it, it is contradicting in ways. But like we said, we're we're willing to give that first pick up for a young, good, extended player. That's what that's the type of move that this team, in my opinion, needs to make. Um, whether it's now or in the off season, because like like we've been talking about, our pot prospect pool is thin. It's tough. It's tough, but it's just something we're gonna have to deal with for the time being. I saw a quote that uh, a Lightning executive said, "We're in win now mode. Whatever we have to do to keep us winning and rolling on with this quote unquote dynasty that they've had, uh, that they're gonna do it." And I honestly think. Don Sweeney after the past couple deadlines, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a big trade and extension. It wouldn't surprise me. I'd be happy about it if it's the right player, but it wouldn't surprise me. You know, yeah. he, like, like we talked about the hot seat, he knows it's getting hotter and hotter every day. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's move on to my minor pro update uh, real quick. The Providence Bruins played in two games last week. Uh, one was at the New England Sports Center, which is the temporary home of the Providence Bruins because the um, Providence um, oh, Dunkin' Donuts Center yes. is being used as a COVID um, uh, makeshift hospital. So um, the, in the first period, uh, I, I mean, the first goal of the game came from uh, Edwards 
trail marks. He got his first goal from Nick Wolf and uh, Tommy Cross. That was in the second period at 655. And trail marks is uh, a new addition to the Providence Bruins team. He came from uh, the University of Maine and is actually best friends with Jeremy Swayman. I think they were oh, all, no. yeah, I think they were all, um, him and Eric Shea, I believe, uh, all t- uh, roommates, and they do a, um, uh, a YouTube channel. Uh, oh, no way. Yeah, well, they did until yeah. two, two of them went out. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. They're, they're, they're really close together and so on. And and speaking of Swayman and uh, Trailmarks, um, uh, shout out to the University of Maine uh, alum and uh, particularly the uh, Gendron family for the loss of Red, the head coach of the uh, Maine Black Bears. Uh, passed away on Friday out playing golf. Yeah, that, I saw that. That was such a bad, uh, such a tough story. And Red was such yeah. a good guy. I didn't know him personally, um, but I really wanted to like have an opportunity to uh, get him on the stream and talk to him about trail marks and uh, Swayman. But unfortunately, uh, that's not going to happen. So um, you know, thoughts and prayers go t- out to the uh, Gendron family and the Umaine. Anybody that he touched was just he, I. I'm just reading so much about how much of an impactful person he was. So he's going to be a tremendous loss. Yeah. It was super sad to see. You never want to see that anytime we lose somebody in the hockey community, uh, whether it has to do with our franchise or not, you hate to see it. These, like you said earlier, they're, they're humans all playing the game we love. And we just, I just wish their his family the best. And uh, you know, it's just unfortunate. Absolutely. Well said. Uh, getting back to the game in the third period at the 17-minute mark, Brady Lyle, who's having a, uh, an unbelievable season down at Providence, in his rookie year out of the Ontario Hockey League with the um, Owen Sound attack, he gets uh, a power play goal from Oscar Steen and Cooper Zeck, and that wraps it up uh, from the New England Sports Center as the Providence Bruins beat the Bridgeport Sound Tigers by the score of 2-1. to one. Kyle Kaiser gets his uh, win. He's been really good. Uh, I'll talk about how good he is, but uh, um, in the previous two games, uh, he's he's two and zero. But he took a suffering loss yesterday. Um, but he stopped twenty six and twenty seven, and um, yeah, it was a pretty decent game. And uh, I don't like this. I don't like the schedule because this American Hockey League schedule is so s- spread out. It's oh yeah. But yeah. basically, almost a week later, um, uh, yesterday. At the XL Center in, in Hartford, Connecticut, the Providence Bruins traveled to play the Wolfpack, and they lost 6-1. to one. This was a naughty good game. Uh, yeah. Kyle Kaiser was in the net, and he gave up all six goals. Uh, I felt bad for him. There is a new goaltender that I believe signed an ATO just to be with the team as a backup Um Spagnoli, I think that's his name. I'm not sure. I did some research on this guy, and... I went to um, EliteProspects.com, and they had him as a 36-year-old and so on. So I didn't really trust that. I, mean, I might oh, have been yeah. spelling the name wrong and so on, but whatever. Uh, he was in um, as a backup, but it was just a tough game. The Providence yeah. Bruins give up three power play goals uh, on this night, and and like Anthony Greco was just running around, just causing havoc. Uh, Ty Ronning, he scored his seventh, eighth, um, and Tommy Cross was the only Providence Bruin to get on the board. He got his third at the 1040 mark of the third period, assisted by Jakob Lauko and Cooper Zek. So it's a tough one. Um, the yeah. next, 
the next games, well, actually, I shouldn't talk about the next games because uh, I don't have the schedule up. But uh, right now, after 18 games played, the Providence Bruins are sitting comfortably in the in the um, Atlantic Division with a 13-4-1-0 and record with 27 points. They um, unfortunately uh, broke a two-game winning streak, and they are 7-2-1 in the last 10. Um, they are 10 points um ahead of Hartford, who is in second place with 17 points. And Bridgeport is just, they got three wins and seven points. So there's a 20-point gap right there. So we still don't know what's going to happen with the Calder Cup playoffs. I've been listening to Around the A podcast with David Foote and Patrick Williams very closely to get their inside stuff about if the league's going to entertain playoffs from here and it's not going to happen because they can't get fans in the stands. And if you can't do it now, nobody's making money nowhere. So why have it? So it's, it's a bit unfortunate on that end. Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's sucks for these kids right now, man. Like, I really feel for them. Like you hear some of the stories about how some of these teams that even NHL prospects didn't play for almost over a year. Like it's, that's crazy to think for like, they were talking about Rasmus Dalin and his, um, hit, like how he didn't, he didn't end up playing for like a year and how much that hurt him at the beginning of the season. And it really hurt the whole Buffalo lineup on a whole. Cause he was supposed to be their guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I don't have the schedule up, but that is my mind. Oh, no, I do have something else. One more thing. Uh, Mark Diver tweeted out the other day that uh, 2015 seventh-round draft pick Jack Becker, um, uh, uh, it sucks that he had to leave school. Yeah. So I got to ice cube. That's um, he had to leave school because of the uh, University of Michigan Wolverines. They withdrew from the uh, national tournament. So that was his senior year. And um, it ultimately ended his his uh, his NCAA career, which I thought. I wrote an article about it and the potential of him signing uh, a pro contract, a one-year entry-level deal with the Boston Bruins, much like what Nick Wolf did coming out of the University of um, Duluth, Minnesota Duluth. So, but Diver come out the other the other day and tweeted out that uh, Becker has uh, decided to stay in school, but not with Michigan. He is going to the state of Arizona Sun Devils to play wow. an extra year, a fifth year of uh, college hockey. And I and I know you can do this. I don't know the rules, but I've seen it done before. And it, this really doesn't change uh, the aspect of property. Uh, and and if if Jack Becker is still property, he is. But I think his negotiating terms are more on the player and not on the uh, owner of the team who selected him and so on. So I think it's uh, it's up. It's really going to be up to him. I mean, ultimately, it's up to him no matter what. But still, there's that that property kind of thing that goes on that I, I still need to figure out. I'm constantly yeah. learning about the game of hockey, so. Yeah, I, like in Canada, we didn't see NCAA hockey as much, right? But now that it's becoming more and more popular, I've definitely been doing a lot more research on on it, just because the Bruins do select a lot of NCAA guys, and oh, yeah. uh, it like like you see you see people coming from the B. I saw that the BCHL in Canada uh, they want to get they want to be their own league, like they don't want to be an affiliate. I've been following but, that. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy to think actually- like. I actually asked the league or or the podcast or one of the article writers um, 
is that going to disrupt any of the NCAA movement out of that league? Because the PCHL is a huge um, uh, feeder league for the NCAA. So I guess if you want to go there and you get scouted by NCAA, that's a great spot. But it's also a place that you can go continue to develop. And like, if you're not going to get into the NCAA, you can also go into like the dub, the O, and the Q. So yeah. who knows? Yeah. I know but, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Speaking of very interesting, we, we're wrapping in this thing up. Let's talk about the upcoming games on the schedule as we uh, finish this uh, episode 223. And thank you so much again, Brett, for joining me. I truly appreciate it. Yeah, yeah I've had All a blast right. today. That's awesome. <laughs> Love having new people on. Um, <laughs> the upcoming week's uh, Boston Bruins schedule is tonight against the Washington Capitals. Um, uh, Dan Vladas getting the start. As we did mention, a very sketchy um, uh, lineup, especially on the back end. Uh, the forwards are not changing, but the uh, defensive core, like we uh, said uh, previously, is a little uh, oof. Lauzon and Ashan on the top pairing. Asboro Camphor on the second pairing, Tonoidi Clifton on the third pairing, and obviously Vidar is in net today. So uh, good luck to those guys. I really hope so. Obviously, I'm rooting for Jack Ashan because he's a he's a really fast young forward that's that's going to continue to learn and uh, do what he's got to do. Um, but uh, you got to be prepared because uh, Washington is a heavy team. It's a very heavy team. They're going to come at you in layers, and, and it's going to be fast. So hopefully these guys are all ready. But also uh, you have, like, a nice breather. But hopefully it's a game on Tuesday against the Buffalo Sabres that's not going to be played down to your opponent. We need to get in there and just just start. Like, get to a 4 to nothing lead. If you make a mistake, you make a mistake. But you have that buffer zone to work on it. You're not up against it against, like, this previous games against Buffalo. Um it- Good. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm not as mad. Like a lot, I see a lot of people on Twitter upset. Miller's got a scheduled day off. Like for me, I look at it as, as uh, yeah, this Washington game is going to be a battle, right? Obviously, they have been all year, but you know, coming in with more of a healthier lineup for Tuesday and Thursday makes me feel a lot better. Setting, sitting, sorry, these guys out today. Um, on a back-to-back, and especially with the injuries that have been going on. like We just want Grizzly to stay healthy. It's been really tough for him since he's jumped up in this new role. But uh, it's also this weird short season, no training camp. Um, the body isn't as ready as it would be for an 82-game season. So I, I, uh, I'm, I'm all in on the kids. I want the kids to show up tonight and just have an awesome game. That would make me feel so good and would tell a lot of people on Twitter, right? Like just – you know, sometimes yeah, the the fans they just get a little too much. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm. And after that Buffalo hopeful win, because Buffalo has been struggling lately, even though they've been on like a little bit of a winning streak and they're kind of awoken, probably to spark the interest of the uh trade trade folk as the Pagulas went down to the locker room and were like, All right, play for this short stretch. Before yeah. that, we didn't care. We we're going yeah. for draft status. But anyway, um the Boston Bruins do end up and they round off the week's games uh playing Thursday and Friday night against the New York Islanders, a team that just got better with the additions of Travis Sajak, the additions of Kyle Palmieri, and um, the goaltending has been strong with that club. Defense has been decent, and the forwards have been good, minus Anders Lee, their captain, leader. Um, so that's it's another, it's another test. And uh, the way this Boston Bruins team has matched up against this New York Islanders club is just 
very scary for me every time I go into it. Normally, I'm calm, cool, collective. Hey, we're playing this. We'll roll the dice. We'll see what happens. But every time I see the Islanders coming up lately, it's a scary point for, moment for me. Well, this is going to be a big those are going to be big games after the deadline because whoever we get, depending on what, whether they need to quarantine or what they do, if they do the, go the Tenorti uh, route and find their own means of transportation. So they don't have to quarantine or anything like that. This is going to be a really show me the money uh, games against them. Because like you said, we've been very scarce against them. If, if we want to be this playoff team that we think we are, and we've proven to be in the past, I think those games are going to be a really big test to that. Absolutely. Well, we're going to wrap it up. We do have to talk about our Patreon. And let me let me get back over here and like get this out of here and move this and that and all kinds of good stuff going on here. Um, maybe not. I had it up in the banners. I'm still learning this freaking whole thing. So no, it's all good. We do have a Patreon account, like I said before. Please donate $1 to patreon.com slash Podcast. We record four to six episodes a month, so it's a very small investment. And you have an opportunity to get a hand-signed jersey we're going to be giving away right now or a Rick Middleton hand-signed puck or a Johnny Busick hand-signed puck Hall of Fame 1981. So with that being said... We are going to give away that stuff right now. So with the Boston Bruins item, obviously it's going to be the Johnny Busick puck is going to my friend Kathy D. D. Franck. Uh, congratulations, Kathy. Thank you so much for your contribution and, uh, and sticking with us to help us out in our sports media company. And the nifty puck, the Rick Middleton puck, is going to my friend and former black and gold uh, um writer lauren campbell who works for nesson now so she's oh, awesome nice. yeah she's a great writer she does a fantastic job with nesson so congratulations to her the the two ladies on the winning the puck but the jersey mr charlie coyle for one dollar folks went to the bruins luchador you see this guy masked man in the td garden all the time dancing it up whooping it up and so on congratulations luch David, this is for you. I'm sending this out as soon as possible. So congratulations on winning. And um, to everybody who um, shares, retweets, um, donates financially, supports us by doing all the awesome things, we cannot thank you enough. But we do please ask that you go up there and sign up and donate some, some cash to us. And what we do is we take that, we take half of your investment a month and put it towards paying the bills, the electricity, all the stuff that goes on in the, in the Black and Gold Production Studio. And the other half is I just keep buying stuff, keep buying stuff. Like, check this out. I have jerseys for, like, until January 2022. Oh, and, no way. Yeah, oh, yeah. This is all I bought. Check it out. Oh, that's oh, that's nice. So all of those are hand-signed. And they're all that's awesome all come with a certificate of authenticity and so on. And they all come from my friend, Bruce Sullivan at Boston sports and music memorabilia that we heard on the, uh, the Iowa program. So uh, really cool stuff. Um, so yeah, definitely check it out. And it would really help us out financially. And we can't ask, um, you know, Hey, if you do a share or retweet, that's like giving us a dollar, but we'll, we'll take that yeah. too. 
But to close, I do want to say thank you very much to Brett. Um, thank you so much for coming in. It was kind of an uh, uh, 11th hour kind of addition uh, um, because I've been trying to get so much stuff done elsewhere uh, out of the podcast uh, realm. And uh, a little bit of personal problems uh, last week that kind of didn't I didn't do a show. But thank you for everybody for reaching out, seeing if I was okay. He's like, oh, he didn't do a podcast. He must be dead. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I really appreciate everybody that, that reached out and so on. We're going to get back on on track and, and keep the train rolling. Um, I'm really looking forward to Brett's podcast that's coming up soon in the next week or two. And uh, another podcast that's coming in too. So we're going to have a full 10 shows. Uh, I'm working with our... our um, our network provider and i'm i'm asking if we can add five more programs so we might do um two more bruins related programs and maybe even um three league-wide shows we might even open it up just a little bit to get a a league-wide um um thing going on when it's not just bruins centric it's more of a we're addressing all the important issues that are going on in the nhl so uh, remains to be seen. We, we we have a ton of stuff going on. If you want to write for us, please go to black and gold hockey um, at gmail.com and um, sign. Let me know, like send me a, a cover letter or you want to get into video or podcasting, whatever. It'd be great. But anyway, with all that jazz, Brett, thank you so much. I hope you had a good time, man. Yeah, I did. Thank you for having me on. And uh, yeah, like Mark said, just make sure you keep posted on both of our pages. Uh, the Beehive Pod will be coming soon, and uh, I'm super excited to get going and be a part of the network. Awesome! We can't wait to get you started and get you up to speed, and you know, uh, get all that equipment that you ordered all set up yeah. and ready to go. And, uh, and we'll go for like now. a kid at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Hopefully, um, we we have some players that we like that uh, want to stick around for uh, another run, and uh, maybe we get some additions for a potential run. Who knows? But uh, trade deadline is tomorrow, so we'll talk about that. Also, if you're if you're still listening to right now, tomorrow is Monday. Um, what's the date tomorrow? Uh, the twelfth. Twelfth, yep. So at six p.m., five or six p.m., I'm going to be firing up another live stream, and we're going to do a um, a roundtable kind of discussion on the hits and misses of the Boston Bruins. If they made a deal, or if not, if you want to get involved in that, please hit me up on Twitter. My address is right there. Oops, right there. So hit me up, send me a message, say, I'd like to come in and have a civil conversation. And then yeah. we'll, we'll sit there and talk. No freaking out. No, like, ripping your jersey yeah. off and jumping out a window. I don't want to see that. <laughs> but we'll sit down and talk about the trade deadline and what, what conspired with several different people on, like, a platform, uh, have a couple drinks, whatever, but um, and get the audio for that for a Wednesday release. So if you want to be involved, get in touch with me before Monday night, and well, I'll, shoot, I'll get that out on Wednesday. But anyway, enough of me freaking yeah, da, 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 da. I will talk to everybody later. Thank you so much, Brett. Appreciate it. Take care, everybody. Be safe. Wear a mask. Get vaccinated. Do all that stuff. Spade your dogs and pets, whatever, you know, those, those yeah. damn commercials. But uh, all right, I'm out. <laughs> Take all care. Right, see ya. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.